0: Clubroom backstage. Anja Schneider is talking to Matthew
1: Hogue, Global Commercial Director of El DJs are there to make people happy. Did they make their job? Yes. That's it for me. That's enough.
0: Hello my friends, welcome to a new episode of The Clubroom Backstage. This is going to be a deep talk with one person from the industry. And I'm very very happy today welcome one of the most interesting person I know. And today we're going to talk with Matthew Hoke, commercial brand director of El Roo, Barcelona. Yes, I'm very pleased uh, to have Matthew Hawk on board on this show and actually I have really high goals for this podcast with such an interesting uh, conversation partner. I would love to talk with Matthew about his amazing job. As now we have the first problem, global director, global brand manager or executive director for Elro. What is the real name of your job actually?
1: <laughs> well, Anya, hello. Thank you for having me first and foremost. <laughs> it's a really, really big pleasure oh. uh, to be here with you. We know each other for a very long period of time. So this is now really something special for me as well. I'm not used to do many of these. Uh, so it's um, it's really... Uh, A big point probably will be of this month. (laughs) Uh, Well, basically, the label that I have, I'm a global commercial director of LRO.
0: Okay, because I had some so much titles of your job, and I know you do almost everything, but I wanted to make it clear. And of course, I would love to talk uh, with you how you got there, because with Detours as a DJ tour and label manager for UMAC back in the days, then you've been the musical director of Kazantip where we met, then you've been a DJ by yourself in between. Um, and of course, I would love to talk about your history. You were born and grown up in Slovenia and we talk a little bit about the corona situation because this is something what hit us and charged us right now actually really, really heavy. No?
1: Yeah, correct.
0: Where I, where I get you? Where I catch you now? Where,
1: I, where are you now? I'm currently in Barcelona in my apartment. Uh, I came back from Shanghai in September. I was in Shanghai for six months. And I'm now here in Spain uh, waiting for uh, the situation to get over and to be back to normal.
0: It must be really heavy in Spain, as I know you are not allowed to go out only one kilometer from your house. And especially I know Barcelona as a city who is always pulsating, is always live there. It must be crazy there. Huh? How how you can
1: handle this? Yeah, it's very, it's very surrealistic. I, I think that... Um, a lot of people and a lot of countries are experiencing the same feeling and the same weirdness. Uh, but you are you are fully right. Barcelona, it's a very vibrant city. It was always full of people, full of tourists. And with the lockdown being now in place, we are limited, uh, if not basically 100% limited. So we cannot we cannot move. We cannot get out of the house if it's not for throwing the trash or walking your dogs or uh, going into a supermarket or a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Um I ha- I went out twice in one month uh, to throw the garbage and to once go to a supermarket. Wow, And I have to be honest with you, it's extremely, extremely weird uh, seeing the the streets being absolutely empty, the police patrols are monitoring the situation uh, because you know some people are still taking advantage of, of the current uh, state of events. and it's it's weird. Anya, it's 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 weird and sad mm-hmm. at the same time because this is the city that I love and the city that I choose to be my home for now, and it's extremely extremely sad to see the situation be like this. Yes, I
0: can imagine it. It must be really really scary. On the other hand, but how is your day looking? Do you have a kind of a routine to 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 go over your day beside of the garbage? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i had to i had to get used to the new the new way of living each day uh, i had to get used to forget about the sun uh, at least not in the amount that i had it before uh, basically i started i started in the morning I'm um, I'm a believer of the Stoic philosophy. I don't know if you know it. It's a very ancient um, philosophy.
0: No, you have to tell me about yeah, well, it. It's, it's, interesting. It's,
1: an anci- it's an ancient philosophy that's, that was born uh, to more than 2,000 years ago um, in Greece and then translated in Rome. Um, one of the biggest um, figure was Marcus Aurelius, who was the Roman emperor, who was... Having a daily job, being an emperor, and on the side being a philosophy, so I'm a philosopher. So I'm trying to following this. So I wake up, I do uh, every morning the same steps, uh, dressing up, going to the bathroom, taking care of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, doing doing two minutes, doing two minutes of um, exercise, and then doing fifteen minutes of meditation over over the the Stoic method, and then I start my day. I, I plan out what we have to do with the row. Obviously, yeah. uh, these go on till 2 p.m. After that, it, lunchtime and then from 3 till 7, 8, 9 work again and uh, then some exercises with my girlfriend uh, <laughs> to try to keep fit a little bit because we are i, I believe myself as uh, 90% of the people around the world are eating a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> in this period <laughs> since we are not allowed to go out so the food is becoming our extremely good friend even if it's not uh, the most healthy thing mm-hmm. i'm still adopting Agnes, i will be honest with you i'm still adopting to the new to the new way of working um, yes. to using technology to to speak with people, to meet with people. I have to be in contact with all our partners. Uh, we are brainstorming a lot what our new way of working will be. Obviously, you know, arrow is coming from a live sector. Mm. We are mostly an event producer. Obviously, we have our labels. Obviously, we have the merchandise. Obviously, we have all those other things, but the events are at the core of Of uh, our identity. So it's a hard hit, and we are getting used to it, but we we are trying to keep positive and trying to see the what the future will be, and we believe that it will be bright at the end of the day. This situation cannot last forever, yes, as all the other situations, you know, and it's not in our control. So we have to be mindful of it and we have to work for the future. We know that the people will be back, the people will want to have fun they will want to get together, now when will this be allowed, it's a big mystery that nobody can answer actually at this yeah, moment.
0: This is really the, the most terrible thing, because we are not born to to handle insecurity, you know, and this is really something which kills us all. But uh, you already said it, El Rose is for me one of the biggest party brands and it's always coming to life, it's about happiness, it's about good vibes and I can imagine, I mean, whoever won, was already on an El Rose party, you have an amazing big team, how many people People work actually in the inner circle for Elro. Can you talk about it?
1: Actually I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do much what is the current situation. But it's a lot. But the, the, there are changes uh, obviously that we as all the other all the other companies that are working in the live spectrum have to do mm-hmm. and uh, have done. Um, but you are right, we are our one of the core values mm-hmm. that row have, it's bringing happiness and um, uh, bringing freedom and uh, interaction with people. Mm. So obviously this, this is affecting us. Uh, but again, we will keep on doing this uh, when we still don't know, but uh, we will not let our value fade away uh, because of a virus.
0: This is a wonderful uh, sentence. <laughs>
1: You know, we, we we will not stop it. Uh, the company and the family that is running the company and it's, that is owning the company have faced many adversities mm-hmm. in 150 years yes. of their existence. Thanks God, we still have uh, Juan Senior, which is the father of Juan, and now the current CEO, uh, helping us navigating. Um, These uh, hard times with his experience because he's seen it already before, not in <laughs> not in this way, but you know, a crisis. It's a crisis, yeah. or it's done by by uh, a virus or it's done by financials or whatever means, it's still a crisis. So thanks God we still have him that is helping us um, ease a little bit the whole situation.
0: Yeah, so you didn't have to get rid of some people because here in Germany, of course, some companies we are all suffering, the economic situation is really bad. So you were able to keep everyone still on board?
1: Mm, mm, Not really. There, There is a system here in Spain that was done. And it's called the ERTE, mm-hmm. And we, ha- we had to juggle a little bit in between the systems.
0: Okay, so you get help from the government, actually, because you are one of the biggest
1: <laughs> Yeah, of- we do. We do, we do. It, it's on a national level. It doesn't... doesn't uh, it's not because we are promoters and we work in the entertainment sector. There are many companies from the fashion industry to the automotive industry. Uh, you know, Catalonia is very, mm-hmm. it's very strong. It's a very strong region in Spain, and Spain have in general have done a system that is helping companies uh, survive uh, this moment of crisis.
0: Yeah, this is quite good, and of course, this uh, made also our all these dark thoughts coming out. It's not really positive for us. But I actually, uh, you already said it. I met you back in the days, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, somewhere in Kazantip, and I met you always like a really positive person. So I never saw you freaking out, and you worked always in really stressful situation, Kazantip or now even Elro. So you always have a clear vision and be always really kind and really regular. Is that something, maybe, or it has to do with something with where you're coming from? Because you are born in Slovenia. When, actually? And where?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm born in Slovenia on a seaside of the country. Mm-hmm. We have um, very small, Slovenia is very small. So we have <laughs> yes. a very, every, everything is small, right? So we, we have a very small seaside in a city called Copper. I am uh, from Portorozh the Port of Roses. I've been born in uh, 1991. Uh, mm. And as you said, probably this is coming from the region where I'm born. Uh, Slovenia As Slovenia was, ex, was Yugoslavia mm-hmm. in the time that I've been born, and I was a Yugoslavian mm-hmm. citizen mm-hmm. for nine years uh, before some higher powers decided that it's time to uh, keep us apart. And divide us. Uh, so Yugoslavia was in a war for around ten years. Mm-hmm. Thanks God, Slovenia was the less affected in terms of um, civil mm-hmm. um, effectiveness, but we still felt it um, without any doubt. We felt it economically. Economically, we felt it culturally. Um, you know, the, from one day to the other, they change your brother from Belgrade. It's not your brother anymore. It's not the person that you rely to or that you confront yourself with and that you have also arguments, uh, but it's become kind of your enemy or they want to portray it as your enemy. Uh, obviously, this built a very big resilience in you. Uh, this built that you have to rethink who you are, rethink your identity, uh, change it, adopt it to something new, adopt to everything new, basically, because everything changed. Um and it's a very similar situation that we are facing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you are you are prone to hear negative news over and over again, and this make you just probably more compassionate. Mm-hmm. Uh, this make you stronger. Uh, this make you think in a different way that you've been thinking. So probably it's coming. It's coming from from that uh, that time. Yeah. Yes, but Anya. I want to say something. It's not. I, I, I'm really glad that you have said it, and I'm thankful for that. But I'm not always <laughs> <a> positive. <laughs> I wish to be I wish to be, but there are uh, a lot of times that I also lose lose my temper. Uh, still, uh, I have to say that I work a lot on myself. Mm-hmm. I try to work on myself regularly, not always successfully, but I try to, but I still <laughs> I'm, I'm still only a human. And I try to, yeah, know.
0: but maybe this situation, what you said, actually, the war and back in the days, I mean, you were born ninety one. It was all happening there, especially with Slovenia, the war. and but it was in all in all, a happy childhood or
1: yes, yes, very much. yeah. I, ha- I have two wonderful parents. I'm an only child. I oh. have two wonderful parents. Um, I've been lucky to be born and raised on a seaside with a lot of sun, yeah. with a lot of summers. Uh, with some amazing friends. So for the big majority, it was. Obviously, I have also some negative memories from back in the days because of the situation. But in a, for the big majority, yes, it was a very, very happy childhood. Uh, my my father, my father exposed me to music in a very early age. Um, he was a big uh, vinyl lover. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What
0: was the music at your home?
1: Oh my God! He, everything from the Bee Gees to Pink Floyd uh, to the Doors. He used to manage. He he used to manage a club. Really? When I yeah 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 when I was very young, like like the club of town, you know, because I'm I'm I'm, I'm in a small town. It's like 25,000 people. Okay. And Dad used to manage that before wanting to be an entrepreneur. So I was exposed. I was exposed to music and to clubs. Uh, from a very early age. I still remember the first day that I entered into a club. I was probably 12 with a matinee.
0: <laughs> yes, I read that you have been to a club first time in the age of 12. And I was like, wow, okay, this makes <laughs> sense now. Probably your father was with you, huh?
1: <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, 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 but it was a matinee. You know, the matinee that was like from five to seven, ah. where the where the kids at that time, I don't know if now it's still used. I, I didn't saw it for ages, but... Yeah, for 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 kids, you know, and uh, I I will never forget that, never never forget. The mm-hmm. first the first track was Michael Jackson. Wow! And the, and there was a competition that night of the best dancer. No. <laughs> and? and well, and and I was absolutely I felt absolutely in love with the guy that is playing music and the lights and the sound and this connectiveness that we all had and this this was my beginning of of the whole journey
0: mm-hmm. okay interesting yeah so we just talked about it you've been to your first club with 12 years actually to a matinee and uh, you already known really early in this age that this is something what could be something for your life and and um, but when you realized, because you said it also, Ljubljana and Slovenia is a really small country. I think you have two million citizens or something. But when you realized this could be probably too small for you when you wanted to have more from life? and
1: Well, at a very early age, I... Anya, I moved to New York when I was eighteen. I was seventeen, and I said, Mom, I'm going. And she said, Where are you going, son? And I say, I'm going to New York. And she said, Jesus Christ, why can I not have a normal kid? So that that was I, I always had these I always had big dreams. Mm-hmm. And I still do have them. Uh, I, I uh, maybe because of the smallness of of the um, the country. Maybe because I'm not so tall. I, I don't know why this is coming. It can be a bad or a good or a bad thing. But I always wanted to go out. I, I lived in Ibiza for a while. Um, I traveled the world at that time with make So I always I always want to experience something more. And I realize as much as I love my country, uh, where I've been born and raised, and I respect it fully, uh, but obviously it it have limited options. Mm-hmm. But
0: what did you do in New York first? Because it's like a big dream. Everyone, I mean, even I remember I wanted to go to New York, but I didn't have the balls and of course not the money and the knowledge. But what <laughs> you
1: do in New York just with 70 years? Nothing related to music. I was lucky enough that one of my uh, at that time, the best friend, and we are still good friends, was working in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she she was very hot at that time, and she was very well connected in the city. So I started to work in a French bakery. Mm-hmm. So I had, to, I had to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and go into the bakery and uh, assist them into making bread and sandwiches and stuff like that. And after that, after a month, I was the assistant of this fashion industry agent. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I remember this job very vividly, and it was an incredible experience. Uh, but also at that time, I started to I started to go. To, I was still young. I remember we went to do like a fake ID, so that I was able to uh, to go. It was right before my birthday, and this friend of mine. I was a huge. Paul Van Dyke fan. Yes.
0: Oh my God, me too.
1: (laughs) Huge Paul Van Dyke fan. I still play sometimes when I have the time, some of his music. And she bought me the ticket to this con, to this event at that time. And I will never forget this. This was, I was living a dream. Literally, Anya, I was living a dream. I was listening to Eric Morillo. Uh, going to a Paul Van Dyke show, I was—I, uh, it was like incredible, incredible. And from that moment, I understood that basically dreams can become reality. It's just a matter of persistence and of hard work, um, preparation, and they can become realities. Despite the adversities, despite the fact that you will probably hear no one million times, and you know this better than anyone, because DJs mm-hmm. uh, are are prone to that, to hear no, 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 all the time. Despite that, if you are continuing, if you are believing in it, if you are good with people, if you work well, strive for excellence, then dreams can become realities.
0: It's nice that you said this because uh, back in the days, how you described this when you were first listening to Paul van Dijk, During this time, it was the same with me when I was going to a party and I had this initial, like, oh my God, there's something. It was so less pressure and I enjoyed this. So when you lose this, you know, this easiness to go on a party without all this business thinking, you know, how is this performing? How much people are there? You know, are you missing these times where it was so easy to be
1: on a party? yeah of course. <laughs> of course. you know, Anya, what you are saying now, this this is a reason why I left DJing. Mm-hmm. you know? because not because my love for the music have changed or for technology have changed. Absolutely not. It's only increased. But this pressure of having to present your art, of having to present your creativity and being in a rat race for more, more money, more shows, uh, more leisure, more this, and a label and agents and all of these, this ecosystem, as beautiful as it is, it gives a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why I, I, I finished that and uh, I obviously I miss these times. I miss yes. the small clubs.
0: <laughs> and the easiness just to go out with no idea when you want to go back and no pressure. I know exactly what you're talking about. But then you said you've been really early to uh, Ibiza. Do you remember what time this was when you moved to Ibiza?
1: Yes, the, the first my first contact with Ibiza was 2004. Mm-hmm. If I'm not wrong, it was with Valentino Canciani, which you which you you know. At uh, that time, we had a wonderful idea to move to the island for the summer, and that was my first Ibiza experience. Valentino bought a car from Germany, a BMW, <laughs> and we packed it up with studio stuff, we packed it up with our clothes, and we went. <laughs> he rented an apartment in Talamanca, and we were there, right? Uh, this was my first. Then... I keep on going to Ibiza from that moment on for uh, every year now.
0: And how much it changed the island? I mean, you're working for the biggest brand in Ibiza, the most successful party. Uh, What was different 2004 to last year? Because no one knows how it's going to be this year.
1: (laughs) Hmm. What was different? Well... One of the main differences, in my opinion, first and foremost, let me tell you something. I do believe that Ibiza have to change as the world is changing. Now, if this change is good or bad, this each individual have to have to see for 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 himself. Uh, definitely, there was more music, more different type of music. It was very different. At that time, I remember you could you could go to Circo Loco and Cocoon on Monday, but you also had Eric Morillo, Paul Van Dyke, Armin Van Buren, um, you know, in different places all over the week. Right now, my feeling is that it's very similar, or it's very similar. The concepts are very sim- musical-wise. I'm speaking only musical-wise. Obviously, a row it's bringing to the table something else because it's an immersive experience. So we are decorating it, we are putting actors and so on. But musical-wise, there is not much difference, right? Mm -hmm. The very similar DJs are sharing their nights over there and there is not so much trance. Probably probably Ibiza is a reflection of what is happening in the world Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. as being at the epicenter. So that's why we are seeing this. But the biggest change would be this the difference of style of music that is presented.
0: Mm, yeah, I think so. It's It must change something, definitely. But I would love to talk a little bit about your history because uh, you were working long time with the most successful DJ from Slovenia, Umek. You were working as a tour manager and label manager, five years. And um, if you look to the schedule or like how successful Umek is and was, so. This must be the most tiring job at all. So <laughs> how, how you could did you know each other from from back in the days or how you met?
1: No we we met through Valentino they uh, they had a, they had a label called recycle loops yes. back in the days a techno label. Um, one label was recycle loops, the other one was irresistible music. So we met through Valentino obviously since they were partnering business. Um, Valentino asked me to join his camp. Uh, I went up, and then I got to know Uro slow, slowly, slowly. And You know how this feels. Mm-hmm. Relationships, relationship sometimes takes a left, takes a right. Uh, Uroš asked me if I would um, do this. I hope that he have seen something positive in me <laughs> at that time. So he have asked me if I would do the job, and and we've done it, and it's true. Um, Uroš, this is his real name. Umek, it's an extremely Hard-working person. Yes. He's probably one of the most hard-working person I met uh, in the DJ world. He's relentless, uh, extremely smart, extremely smart, and extremely hard-working. He knows where he's going. Uh, that's why at that time his schedule was extremely uh, busy.
0: How you could handle this when when someone has such a big ego,
1: probably? Anya was hard. Mm -hmm. I have to be honest with you, it was hard. It was an incredible experience. Uh, We saw the world together um, for three years, three, four years.
0: But did you know where you wake up in the morning or did you sometimes lose it? No,
1: no, no, I lost it, I lost it. There was time that I didn't know where where I am. Mm -hmm. And tour managing, even if it looks like a very simple job, it's actually extremely complicated because first and foremost, you have to travel the world, right? Then you are you are in a relationship with this other person that goes beyond friendship, you know, because you spend more time with him than he's spending it with his wife. Yeah, uh, you know. So it's, uh, it's this. Then you are at the party, nightlife. Uh, he's getting all the credits. Mm-hmm. Everybody forget about you. Then uh, the, the 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 raise the fee of the artist goes up. And the tour manager usually gets like a very small percentage. If you get any percentage, I know only one case that it's paid by percentage. You know, everybody else is paid by By fee, fee. you know, and you're like, it's a very ungrateful job. Very, very ungrateful Mm -hmm. and extremely tiring. The travel, the hotel, the dinners, the being smiling, the people, managing the list, uh, helping the artists, interviews, pictures. Ah, oh, it's amazing,
0: But it prepared you actually for all this, what what was uh, coming now. I mean, Kazantip was kind of the same. I mean, a festival, which was taking uh, four weeks without a break. Back in the days I met you, I think it was on the Krim, somewhere around when they had this there. Huh? How, how you get to Kazantip and how you were the <laughs> artistical director. I mean, you had to deal with so many egos there also, logistic problems probably, because people lost a lot of things. At Kazantip, beside of the mind, (laughs) how how you could do this.
1: Well, you are right. Let me go first, how I came there. Everything, I believe that everything prepares you for something different. Everything is a school, right? So myself and Uros was having a show in St. Petersburg with Etienne de Crecy Mm -hmm. at that time. And I met the promoter who was called Yuri Marichev. We became friends. I didn't hear from him for ages. One day I receive a call. Matthew, listen, I have this opportunity for you. Would you take it, cousin This was the 25th of December, Christmas. We have to get everything ready. We have this festival. This is the budget that we have. We want to change. We want to change the sound of the festival. Uh, there is a small team behind it. We get to have everything ready till the first of August. This gives us approximately mm-hmm. eight months. Okay, um okay, it sounds interesting. Let's go for it. I fly to Crimea, to um, the airport of Sevastopol. This wonderful airport. Wonderful airport, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> that usually over the year it's not working, it was working only for Kazan team. And yeah, I decided I decided to go for it. Book all the artists, work with a team that was used to work in one way. Uh, we had to change all of this. It was extremely demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, the, pre, the pre-event the was extremely demanding um, because we had to change the whole philosophy of the festival. They wanted they wanted to go from commercial, from, again, Paul Van Dyke and Alvin Mamburen at first, changing everything to um, <laughs> Jamie Jones, Marco Carola, Mobile, oh. <laughs> uh, Ricardo, yeah, Cadenza, Luciano, Circo Loco, uh, you name it. Uh, so... Free show, extremely demanding. Showtime, even more demanding. Uh, you make a deal with the hotel, the hotel changed the deal one day before the artist arrived. Madness. <laughs> the artists don't want to sleep there. But again, we somehow manage it. I lost 15 kilos well. year one. I lost 20 kilos year two. <laughs> no, Nobody died. Uh, the artists were happy. They wanted to come back the next year because it was such a surreal experience being in the middle of nowhere in in at that time ukraine now russia uh, with this creative festival with this owner called nikita that was absolutely crazy but in a good way because Mm. i believe he's a wonderful creative mind and it, it, it was a great experience that gave me so much it was so intense and so hard I don't suggest to nobody to try it. Uh, but it gave me so much on the other side of understanding the psychology of the artists, understanding understanding how big events of this type are run. Because if you think about it, you have festivals that are run for two days usually, mm-hmm. three days. And when I speak with my colleagues now when I'm, when I'm promoting a row and exploiting it around the world. They say, yeah, we have this festival three days. It's a lot of work. I'm just thinking, Jesus Christ, we were in 15 people running a festival 24 seven for a month. <laughs> you know? so it's like
0: This was the most crazy thing that I ever experienced. And of course <laughs> it was uh, wonderful on the other hand. And
1: did you like it?
0: I loved it every every year. And of course, because there were people like you doing it and keep all the things together. And it was wonderful. It was a great experience. And I am absolutely the same that I think Nikita was a great guy with good of visions. And it was wonderful. Uh, I have a record of you, which... Um, I was wondering, because you brought Nirvana with you, and uh, this is a record what changed your life. Sometimes it is, yeah. Uh, sometimes my guests, if I'm going to ask them what record was the initial cut, what changed your life is like this wonderful techno track they had, like you said, Paul Van Dyk, for example, this this adventure in New York, this changed somehow your life. But you brought Nirvana, which is quite interesting, still has like a big part in your heart, this kind of...
1: Oh, God.
0: grunge. <laughs> it's the 90s. It was really important for you I guess.
1: Yeah, of course. Well I, I was I was 10, 10, 11, 12, 14. I was always I was always impressed by all music, Anya. I have to be honest with you. I I I used to work in a radio so I was exposed to blues, jazz, um, everything, electronic, hip-hop, everything you name it, I was exposed to that. But Nirvana, maybe because of the time they come out and the story they had and Kurt Cobain and the whole thing and the impact he had on my generation I, I i just went full in mm-hmm. into it i remember at that time there were people that were huge fan of Guns N' Roses which i was as well but and then the queens you know, there was this battling between Guns N Roses and Queens. Yeah. And, and then there were we, the Nirvana guys, the always the the, the rebellious, the weird one, you know, the one with, with with the jeans that are not in one place, you yeah. know, that had a little bit of punk, punk moment, had this grunge. Um, they were we were not happy with the world, we were not happy with who we are, and we find our place in music. And from that time, still till today, I'm still a huge fan, you know. Chris Novoselic and everybody, it's like for me. And Chris was Croatian, a partly Croatian. Uh, yeah. uh, so this this made me feel even more close, uh, close to the band. And Kurt Cobain being blonde. Um, yeah. And the music, the message, incredible personality, incredible personality. Okay. If I just can add something, because you make me think now with Nirvana. It's really interesting how he's member of this Club 27 when they when they uh, die at 27 years with Emmy half Jimi Hendrix, um, and all this one. And now I understand the pressure. With thanks to Umek, thanks to Kazantip, thanks to also Ero. I can slightly I don't I don't want to even compare to to what they had to, but slightly understand the pressure of them being so exposed and being so. Uh, under pressure by all these various the music industry the fans the promoters everything that it's on you you have to be better you have to give more and maybe nirvana was really not meant to be mm-hmm. this more like amy one house you know there was just a grunge band yeah grunge band that made music for the sake of making music
0: yeah thank you for bringing this here to to the backstage to the club room. Actually I know that you've been a DJ in between and all these you know steps of your career you always were DJing by yourself and you're still doing this?
1: And uh, no no, I'm I, I'm doing it very rarely. If a row have a barbecue in the office, then I may I may play some. They're music. doing
0: barbecue in the office. I hope in the backyard. Uh,
1: for 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 the for the office. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> the office. We did we did like twice or three times. We did some barbecues. Or when we go with promoters in Ibiza to Formentera, then I may play some music. But. Anya, no. I, to answer your question, I'm I'm not doing it anymore. But
0: are you exchanging your music sometimes still with your father, or do you, did he come to El Ro? Uh,
1: he went. He he came to Ibiza. Um, I remember the first year, that the first season that I worked for the company, he came to the island with my mom. They came to see the show. Uh, when I used to promote parties, he came. Uh, when I used to play, he came. But no, we don't ex- we don't exchange music actually. No, we don't exchange it anymore.
0: Uh, okay, but he loves it. Yeah, he, he he had fun this night. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. He loves it, yeah? and he understands it from a different perspective. Where my mother not. He understanding from being a promoter what it means. So so he's he get it. Obviously, his life then took him in another direction, and he stopped doing this. But he still have this this feeling for it. Mm. Yeah.
0: But since when uh, you are in Barcelona now, you moved there. I think. 2000, 2005,
1: after Umec? No, uh, after Umec I did Kazantib, then I, came back to Slovenia. I'm in Barcelona now for six years.
0: I, I, but you worked before for Bullet Agency also in Barcelona as an
1: agent. Exactly, exactly. I wanted to get out of Slovenia and I wanted to find a place where there will be a lot of sun. Mm. Because I used to live in Ljubljana and since I'm a seaside guy, I need, I need a city of sun. And when I used to work with Umec, Arash, the uh, Dubfire's brother Mm -hmm. and the owner of Bullet Agency, wanted me to move to uh, Washington and to start working with Bullet. And I wanted to stay loyal to Mm Umec at that time. And I decided to no. I I said no. And then I was in a period of my life when I didn't know exactly what to do. And I remember of this uh, invite and I called Ryan, Mm -hmm. his partner, a person that you also know very well. Yeah. And I say, Ryan, listen, I'm in this period of my life. I don't know what to do with it, actually. I'm up for some changes. Is that invitation still valid? And he said, Matthew, yeah. Actually, I want to open an office in Barcelona. Would you like to come? Mm-hmm. So in four months, I take some money that I had on the side. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I came to Barcelona, not knowing what will happen next. Yeah. And. Uh, the rest is history.
0: Yeah, but um, coming back before all this situation, this crisis, this coronavirus hit us, uh, uh, you said it in the beginning, you've just came back from Shanghai. What was, can you describe your days before? You were traveling the whole world, trying to work for the brand Elro, and what was the most crazy things you achieved back in the days, before this all happened? Or.
1: You, you are right.
0: I think Shanghai must be must be crazy. I mean, especially for a brand like
1: Elro. Yes, very much. Yeah, Shanghai is crazy. I think for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> for us was as well. As you can see, my life is absolutely not boring. Um, how my day look like? Uh, well, doing strategies for the brand, uh, planning out several years ahead, um, having conversations with promoters on a daily basis. Uh, Discussing with uh, the board of director, which I'm member, not board of director, excuse me, with the executive committee, Mm -hmm. which I'm member, discussing where the company will go, how we should act, Mm -hmm. uh, from all the parts, and then trying to implement the products that we have all over the world. Uh, Shanghai was an experience that was definitely hard, Mm -hmm. but rewarding at the same time. Is this this duality that I'm encountering in every situation that I'm put? Because it always has two sides. Mm -hmm. You have to battle with a completely different culture Mm -hmm. that it's not better or worse. It's just different. Chinese do things differently. They believe in a Mm -hmm. win-win business model where sometimes we want to believe in a win-win, but we are maybe too egoistic and we don't actually apply the win-win situations. But was it
0: maybe helpful, sorry to interrupt, that you were born in uh, Ljubljana, in Slovenia, that you have a little bit of this, you know, socialistic thing still in yourself? Was it easier to deal with this kind of people?
1: Absolutely, because you, I have seen things that remind me of my past. Mm-hmm. Because, as you have I- said, Slovenia is socialistic. Mm-hmm. Social communism yes. was at that time, and um, China—it's communistic, yes. right? So there was a lot architecture, a lot of architecture remind me to that. A lot of values were very similar. Mm. The respect—it's the respect for the elders—it's still extremely strong in China. Uh, this is something that, in my opinion, the West have lost a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, we can see it with our crisis, we don't see as the older people like being the wise one that yeah. we have to listen. Uh, now, what what you, you you have no idea, right? This is our approach. Where in China, this is not like that. So, yes, there are a lot of similarities in between China and in between the period of ex-Yugoslavia, a lot. Yeah. And, and, very smart question actually that you have brought it out. <laughs> I was never expecting I was never expected but it's it's absolutely true.
0: And and how important is it for you to identify so much with the brand you work for? Because I have the feeling you always are the brand, you know? It doesn't matter if it was Kazantip, is it was El Roo, you are the face, the heart, the soul of it. How important is it? Could you ever been working for something where you get a lot of money but you couldn't identify with it?
1: No. No, it's it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's impossible. Look, my passion, my job, it's my life. I mean, I obviously have a life outside of it. Mm -hmm. I have my partner. I have my relationship, my family and everything that I nurture. But for me, it's so important to being, one, extremely close with the people that are running it Mm -hmm. because I have to understand what their vision is and I have to co-create it. Yeah. I have to be part of the co-creational process mm-hmm. because otherwise for me, it's not working. I'm not a person that can go to an office at nine in the morning and finish at 5 p.m. and then forget about it. I wish I had that, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not wired in this way. And when I'm taking something on, I take it with my full body and soul. Mm-hmm. And I I embrace it 100%. And first, I want to understand it mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, I want to understand it the brand i want to understand what i'm where where is the ecosystem that i'm working and then i can start to create it's like a painter mm-hmm. I, I i i see aha uh-huh, this color it's up there probably this color will fit well in our picture and our picture will fit well in that color mm-hmm. you know and i i have to paint and i have to connect <laughs> the dots i have to build the network
0: but is there something what you want to achieve still in your life? Is there something what you're missing? What, what is your goal? Or are you thinking, oh, I really want to do this. This is something what I have to achieve in
1: the next future. Now, um, professional-wise or privately? Privately. Both. <laughs> privately, I want, to, I want to build a family. Yeah. Uh, a family of two or three or four. Okay. This is, this is. There's one way you can do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. This is my next big wish. I think the time has come. I'm 38. Yeah. Anya. I have dedicated all my life to music and I will still do it to the entertainment. I will still do it. But it now, now it's the time for, for my family. Uh, yes, my partner and having a great relationship. Now is the time for that. Professionally, obviously... Uh, I'm a big dreamer. I will never stop dreaming. Exactly what it is next, I don't know <laughs> yet. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm really good in a position where I'm now. I'm working for an amazing company. Uh, we still have a lot of plans for the future, mm-hmm. and I hope that we will be able to make it. Uh, but for now, I, I wish to stay here. And for next, then... Every story ends, right? Yeah, we will see. I don't I would not mind being the CEO or working for a major or working for a creative company. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's one last question what everyone wants to know and of course, I'm sure you can't answer this, but I have to ask. So what time uh, when is the Rope party in Ibiza starting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
0: know. This must be terrible, you know, for everyone and
1: uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's terrible for for all of us. Anya, it's terrible for our community, our industry. But it's also terrible. It's also terrible for everybody around, for the hot- hotels, for the taxi drivers, for, for the people that are working in clubs, that are that are giving flyers on the street, that are working behind the, the computer for the social media of the clubs, that are selling tickets. Uh, it's horrible for everybody. It's such a big impact on a global scale and it's not just okay spain is affected okay the world is working okay no it's everywhere everywhere i'm speaking with people from malaysia uh, people from chile people from germany people from bulgaria people from greece everywhere yeah. everywhere is the same thing and they will cause so much suffering yeah so much suffering that it's Wow, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know how... We, I know we will get out of
0: We it. will get out of this. And maybe the world's going to be a better place. We never know. But there is uh, one last thing I have to talk with you. I was really wondering because we have one track to say goodbye. It's the most love-hate song. Something what is the most embarrassing song What you're probably singing when you Alone under the shower, and you brought up the Swedish house mafia. Hello, now we
1: have to talk. <laughs> I know, uh, but I, I, did, I didn't hope it will be the last track. I Should didn't it? know that.
0: Oh, can change it still if you want to have a last track. But I, it's funny, we can whatever.
1: <laughs> no, Anya, why this track? It may sound cheesy, but I don't think I, I, I believe that pop music and let's call it ADM. Yeah. If it's quality, can if it's quality, it's quality. And, and mu- music, it's quality, and that's it. And I believe the Swedish house mafia, it's it's exactly not where we are coming from, right? Absolutely not. That's absolutely not where we are coming from. But I still believe there is quality in it. I still believe it have a good meaning. Don't you worry, child. Heaven is a place for you. It's a really good message. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so the message is not wrong. They are not. Instigating people to kill each other—it's uh, a—it's re- a really good <laughs> message, and it, it's well produced. It is, and I respect it. And I respect what the guys have done mm-hmm. for the scene and for themselves as well, and for the for the crowd. Look, DJs are there to make people happy. Period. Yeah. Do did Avicii, Swedish House Mafia, Martin Garrix, whoever from that side, achieve to make people happy? Yes. Yeah. Did they make their job? Yes. That's it. For me, that's enough.
0: Oh, this was a wonderful last word. Thank you so much, Matthew. This was Matthew. Thank you so much. I hope to see you soon and hug you in person. I really miss this. This is really crazy that you miss these little things in life, you know, that you hug people or be like close to someone. This is really something what I miss. I
1: agree. I agree too. Thank you for having me. And I'm really, really looking forward to hug you in person next time. And... Um, <laughs> I see you soon and I a huge kiss yeah, to huge all your kiss. listeners.
0: Also to Barcelona. Tschüss, mein Engel. Tschüss.
1: Bye-bye. Ciao.
0: Thank you for listening. This was the Clubroom Backstage for this episode. I will be back very soon with a deep talk and I'm going to have a really, really interesting person next episode. I can't tell you right now, but please stay tuned on my social channels. You will find it out there and I can't wait to be back and talk with you. Cheers. Clubroom Backstage Produced at Blackout Studios